0: I've got a sweet red roux by Yellowtail. Yellowtail being a very working class wine. We haven't even started the podcast yet, Wendy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bolesby. <laughs> Welcome, Hello. listeners, to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am one of your co-hosts, Wendy, joined across the nation by my fabulous partner, Melissa. Hello. There she is. And uh, we today are going to talk to you about our Xanadu holiday. Xanadu was... holiday on uh, doot, Black doot, Friday. Doot, on Black Friday. Yeah. Which I have some thoughts about Black Friday as a Xanadu... As a Zanis said, a Holiday. Okay. But we'll get into that. Uh, real quick, I am drinking some red wine because I got no place I got to be today. Awesome. And um, a sweet red rue by Yellowtail. As I've already told Melissa, it's a very working class wine. Five bucks. Here's some wine. Oh, yes. What and do you got, Melissa? I
1: have Indeed Brewing Company's Dandy Lager. It's a pale lager. And hold on. Ah, uh, there we are.
0: I like dandy. It's just dandy. It is dandy.
1: And uh, the little slogan on the can says, we are thirsty creatures indeed. (laughs) And I I am because I went running with the dog for two miles and I took him to the dog park and now I'm back. I'm covered in salt. I haven't haven't
0: showered yet. (laughs) I'm having a goddamn beer. (laughs) I get to scrimmage tomorrow, so that's exciting. I get some derby scrimmage. Um, Nice. So here I am in my little office, where I have finally moved in the good chair, so when I'm working, I'm slightly more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And uh, normally when I'm recording, I put all these books under the microphone to so that I don't have to hunch over to be closer to the mic. Right. But now that I have the fancy chair in here, I lowered the chair. I would like to talk for a second about the fact that I don't need a whole bunch of books under the microphone, but also my feet reach the ground. <laughs> How long has it been like this? I, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. It's everything's uh, a work in progress in my life. Everything could probably stand some improvement.
1: Well, let's be honest. Everybody's life is a work in progress. <laughs> yes. Let's just be frank.
0: So, yeah. um, Melissa, mm-hmm. what was sort of your overall theme for your for your movies yesterday? Was there one? Oh, it was kind of a.
1: I was kind of all over the place because I had a couple of adult films, not like, like porno adult <laughs> films, but like films for adult right. audiences. Uh, and then I had a couple of kids films or, mm-hmm. you know, varying shades thereof. And then I've got Doctor Strange right in the middle. So maybe so, like a gradient between them. Um, what did
0: you see in order yesterday? Let's I saw, just sort of I saw fantastic, fantastic
1: magical beasts and wherever you find them or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, <laughs> Doctor Strange, again. Mm-hmm. This is my second time through Doctor Strange. I saw Arrival, finally. Mm. Right? Uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Ooh. And I saw a 10 o'clock p.m. screening of Moana. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Which means I was one of, like, five people in the theater, and it was perfect.
0: <laughs> now, I have previously seen, um... Most of the these, The films, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, um... I think I've seen all of those films. I did not necessarily watch them yesterday. Right. But I'd already seen, obviously, Doctor Strange, Arrival, Hacksaw Ridge, and I saw Moana on Thanksgiving Day with my family. Mm-hmm. So the good news is I can talk about all these films. I started the day with Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which is the proper title. <laughs> I went to Rules Don't Apply, Warren Beatty's. Mm-hmm. Then I went into Allied, which is the Brad Pitt, Marion Cotillard, um, Zemeckis film. Mm-hmm. And then Edge of Seventeen and finished up with Loving, which is Jeff Nichols' latest. So I would say my theme for the day was, holy shit, just dramas. Like I started with Fantastic Beasts and then everything after that was just adult drama. Which is really unusual for me because normally I get kind of bored with that shit and I want some action or horror or comedy. Like the last Xanis in a Holiday I went to was all over the place because like I saw Zoolander 2 mm-hmm. and The Witch and like but this one was just partially Everywhere. and this is what I wanted to say about Black Friday as a Xanis a holiday like I don't know if it's the best choice I felt like my choices were a little limited
1: you know I agree because um when I was watching all the trailers in front of all the movies we were watching I'm like I want to see that and that, yeah. and that, <laughs> and that. And then and they're coming out in like a week or two weeks or three weeks. So, yeah, they're coming out for the Christmas season. Yeah, although, like, you know, we're probably going to see at least three of them at Budnumathon in a couple of weeks. I know, so I'm so, so, so we wouldn't want to put it like the next Xenocena holiday for the winter in, say, early December, maybe late December or even January, which is, I think, what we've done in the past.
0: Yeah, yeah. like, so we I think. kind of catch I up think... on
1: the Oscar. Well, I mean, we kind of want to catch up on the Oscar nominees, you know, maybe in February, you you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, Black Friday, it it was nice because it was easy to set aside that time. Yeah. but It's not
0: like I'm going to be shopping. Yeah, me neither. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Although the couple of times in my life I have gone out on Black Friday, I went out in the afternoon and by that point everything was died down. So, but I still felt like an asshole because like, honestly, I don't need to be shopping on Black Friday.
1: Nobody does. Yeah, I, I really don't either but
0: speaking of yeah. trailers mm-hmm. seriously there's some shit coming out i want to see oh yeah there's a new scorsese coming out there um, is... that one is silence right
1: yeah i think that's what it's called the uh, one
0: where andrew garfield's hair deserves its own screen credit because oh, it's course. glorious it's amazing <laughs> it's um amazing. la la land is coming out <gasps> oh my god uh, i needed to i'd need to talk about this for just one minute i saw the <laughs> teaser trailer uh-huh. like months ago and was like yeah whatever I like Emma Stone. I like Ryan Gosling. Okay. And you like musicals. Except the teaser trailer didn't really like, it was like, "Mm," and featuring the music of. The teaser was really nothing. Mm -hmm. When I saw the expanded trailer like a week ago, and I saw how it was paying homage to the classic MGM musicals with the colors and the dancing, and oh my God, Melissa, I need it so bad right now. (laughs) I want it. I gotta have it yeah meanwhile so i saw
1: it i saw at least you know three times the trailer for oh. kong skull island it's like i want that in my brain
0: i still now. haven't seen the tra- i didn't get that at any of the theaters oh. i was at see you were oh. seeing the wrong
1: movies see, i got oh. three doses of the kong trailer and i'm so happy
0: like, I i'd be happy if i had the movie i saw the trailer for jackie a billion times oh
1: man yeah i didn't see that one at all i did see um i can't remember what they titled it but the the movie about the the black women who were hired by nasa (gasps) for the moon landing yes
0: yes 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 it's called um hidden figures Figures. which is a great a great title both because women's figures hidden figures figures as in math like i love it Mm -hmm. i I am so excited for that movie or or, Uh
1: you know uh not just women but black women being part of the space gr- program and why are we just hearing about it now you know that's sort of
0: right thing. um let's yeah. see so i saw the trailer for lion that's the one with dev patel about the kid uh-huh. who on the, pa- the, the indian kid on the train passengers <gasps> i want to see that so bad right because chris pratt needs to redeem himself after jurassic world and i love j-law i yep. do and, and it- sci-fi space travel yes yep
1: and there's a uh, teaser for the new Guardians, Guardians 2, Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: I didn't get to see that one.
1: Yeah. <sighs> it's very short. It's very short. And you know what
0: I got to see? And it's got sh- Nelson, you know, got the yeah.
1: Nelson music again.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm I'm on board. Um, Fifty Shades Darker. That's a trailer I got oh, to see.
1: Oh, oh, oh.
0: Yeah. I also got to see a trailer for Bye Bye Man, mm. which is the latest teen slasher if you even think his name, it summons him. Oh. like that's that's where oh, we're going. and
1: yeah, and the the poster looks like it's ripping off the Baba Duke real hard.
0: Yeah, it's really Baba Duke sinister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's very derivative. Now yeah. that said, it may be effective, and you know, I like a good horror movie, even if it's a rip. You know, if it's a rip off, whatever. Yeah, if it's good, it's good. Um, I saw a trailer for a dog's purpose. There's your dog movie. I saw
1: two trailers for two different animated anthropomorphic animal kids movies that both centered around central characters who want to run off and uh, perform music and play rock and roll, sing, sing, and his uh, dog, uh, dog something, something dog.
0: Oh. Ah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah there's. Did two you see the trailer for Monster Trucks? <laughs> oh, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this kid finds like a monster and the monster hides in his truck and basically makes the truck go to hide itself. So it becomes the engine of the truck. Oh boy. <laughs> like they're I I kind of am like I don't know. I might be sort of fascinated. Like it might be the level of home in terms of animated feature, like, it was pleasant, it wasn't offensive, it wasn't anything groundbreaking. Mm. It didn't look awful, but I found myself weirdly fascinated.
1: The next Smurfs movie, on the other hand, was atrocious. Oh, like yeah, Fuck off.
0: <gasps> but, but... 20th Century Women. Did you see the trailer for this? No, I didn't see that. Annette Benning, mm. set in 1979, she's yeah. raising her adolescent son and basically enlists the aid of two young women... One, a punk rock artist who is boarding in her house and another like a teenage girl who lives next door to help her round out basically her son's viewpoint of what a man should be. Interesting. This fucking feminist as shit. I am on board. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. There's also, um,
1: oh, now my brain is blank, gone. Oh, have you seen the teaser for the new Cars
0: movie? Yes, I did. We saw it in front of Moana. It looks like photorealistic. And it's kind of dark and eerie looking. Well, and like Lightning McQueen crashing and being crippled is basically what they're selling. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it's it's like a live action Cars, except they're clearly using computer animation, but it's photorealistic. And I'm like, what are they doing? Yeah. Because there's a lot about the Cars world that will never make sense if you really go there oh i know it's it's best to just keep it cartoony yeah don't think
1: too hard about it at all yeah
0: because what um uh oh ben affleck's newest ben affleck's
1: new one yeah i saw a couple different trailers
0: for that actually i would like to say it's a terrible title it is a terrible title
1: because i can't remember it and unfortunately um also that neither trailer told me anything about what it was actually about Told me period, and and it told me violence and criminals. Criminals,
0: mob, violence, bad guy, gangster, maybe, don't know. Which, to be fair, like, I hate it when trailers give away too much, but... Yeah. Mostly at this point, they've sold me on the style. Right. But they haven't sold me on what it is I'm going to see. Uh-huh. And also, it's a terrible title.
1: And I finally saw the trailer for Split. Now, having seen Split... I can say, oh, that, oh, that, oh, that, tra- that trailer is terrible. It's a terrible trailer. I haven't trailer. seen that
0: one yet. Oh, oh, God. I saw the trailer for A Monster Calls. And Ooh. that, and they're, they're putting it in front of Family Features. Oh, that's weird. They're selling it as a, basically, a YA story. Oh. Well, which that's... makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's kind of yeah. cool yeah like i'm interested and teddy was even like mom i might think i think i might want to see that and i'm like okay oh, that's cool um uh the last one i had not heard of i saw a poster for the first time as i was walking in and then managed to see a trailer for it collateral beauty it's will smith's latest oh interesting from what i can figure out from the trailer by the way hell of a cast a hell of a cast. It's got Helen Mirren. It's got Michael Pena. It's got, uh, I, I want to say Jude Law, but like seriously, holy shit, a cast. And near as I can figure out, Will Smith has, I think, lost a child and he is writing letters mm-hmm. to work through his grief, but he's writing letters to concepts like time, death, love, and they come to talk to him about it. Hmm. So, I mean, they make it clear, like, Helen Mirren is death. She comes to talk to him. Like, that's in the trailer. And so I'm, I think I'm interested. It might be a hot mess. We'll have to see. I don't know. So, yeah, (laughs) there's our trailer recap. Yeah. But, yeah, like, seriously, in a month, I'm going to be super excited to go to the theater.
1: Yeah, so we're going to just have to do another one of these in January, clearly. Obviously. Just just to catch up on the stuff that we didn't see in BNAT. Right.
0: Right. All right. Where do we want to start? Um, Well, since we both started with
1: Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, we should start there. Let us indeed. All right. I am still not sold on Eddie Redmayne as an actor. I'm just going to start right there.
0: I, you know what? Because I saw your Facebook post later in the day and I was thinking about it and... First off, I'm a little bit with you because I totally agree. I think I liked him best in Jupiter Ascending. Me too. Me too. Because,
1: because <laughs> I mean, whatever
0: role he's in, you can tell he's trying really fucking
1: hard at it. He's efforting so much. <laughs> There's a lot of acting going There's on. There's a lot anywhere. of acting going on. I mean, I saw him uh, do the uh, Stephen Hawking movie and uh, 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 Theory of Everything, um, and a couple other things. And it's like he he's he's got he, you can tell he's working so hard. He's, you can tell he's studied mannerisms so perfectly, and he's being very, very careful about his performance, but he never looks natural. And you can tell, at least with actors like that, if you give them something really meaty to chew on, they're really fun to see work, just because they will go bonkers. And Jupiter Ascending, you can just tell, he just went bonkers.
0: Now, if you remember, he was in Les Mis. As, As- Marius. Oh, God, that's right. And he did not have any of these current tics. Here is my thought. Do we remember Christian Slater? Do we remember (laughs) young Christian Slater before he decided that he was the reincarnation of Jack Nicholson? Yeah. And once he decided he was the reincarnation of Jack Nicholson, that's all you ever got out of Christian Slater. And his Mm -hmm. career died shortly after. Mm -hmm. Eddie Romaine, right now he's pretty much still doing Stephen Hawking, and I'm worried that this is what his he is going to do. Mm. Like, the physicality, the hunched, the looking up under his brows, the mumbling. Like, I am wondering if this is his... I play the awkward geek, and I play them all the same. Mm. Yeah, you may be now, right. Now that said, apparently, I was looking up trivia... Apparently, he tried out for Voldemort. Interesting. Boy, that would have been kind of delicious, I think. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. I think, right? think Ray Fiennes oh. just owns that role. Absolutely. But apparently Rowling, when it came time to do these movies, was like Newt Scamander will be Eddie Romaine. He's the only ah. choice. He is the only he didn't even have to audition. They just called him and said, By the way, you're playing this role. You have right of refusal if you don't want to do it. I don't know why you'd want to. Yeah, but
1: because we'll back up a a trailer of money to your house and you'll be famous.
0: So Yeah. So as far as J.K. Rowling was concerned, it was Eddie Remain or nothing. Yeah, I I think I I think he
1: mean it's the it's the it's the appropriate characterization for that role. I will say that.
0: I don't hate him in the role, but he's He's really at his best when he is, when he's talking about the beasts and he has something to do. Yeah.
1: Although he looks really uncomfortable doing CTI yes. work because you yes. can see he's like looking a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right of where he should be. And he's like,
0: should my hands be here or here? Well, like here? that's why I said when he's talking about them. Yeah. But to not other to people <laughs> yeah, to other people, like, I think that's also part of where the script shines, because it finally allows his character, like somebody who sees something that other people doesn't, don't see. Like, that's delightful. Um, what I liked about the movie, um, let's go back for a second. The first Harry Potter movie is not very good. The first mm-hmm. Harry Potter book is a little clunky, mm-hmm. right? Well, because it's outright kid's book.
1: It's and an outright
0: kid's book, yeah. yeah. And then, um,
1: and then they progress in sophistication as they go on as the audience ages.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is the first of a five series movie mm-hmm. story. Okay. I love, because I can already tell we're going to be getting Grindelwald. We're going to get more of that. Yeah. I'm hoping we get more New York Oh yeah! I like American wizarding. Wizarding. I love the idea of learning more about this. I like that the vibe feels very different. Hmm. Um. I like that it's set in the twenties. There's a lot to explore there. And frankly, I and I put this on Facebook. I like that one of the main characters is a muggle. Is a nomad. Yeah. Because we've never had one. Yeah, and for for as you know, I I like the uh, female lead.
1: I can never remember the actress's name. Yeah, I was I that, know her. her did yeah.
0: she, oh, <sighs> I didn't even write it down. Yeah.
1: Whatever. Yeah. Her, and she's fine, but I was really interested. What I was really truly interested in were, were the two beeline story uh-huh. characters. Queenie, Queenie and Kowalski. And Kowalski. I loved them. I wanted to see that movie. I wanted to see follow them down that rabbit hole and not
0: well, necessarily. But here's the, two the leads. thing. Yeah. This knowing in advance that this is setting up four more films, mm-hmm. I'm willing to allow that this film isn't great yet. Oh yeah. It's solid, but it's doing a lot of work. Oh god, and yeah. And the work that it's doing, I'm interested in. I am interested in the creatures. I love mm-hmm. the new creatures they introduced. I love that we got to see a Niffler because the Niffler is actually in the Harry Potter books because yeah. I'm rereading them right now. But he doesn't really, I don't remember, I don't think they ever show up in the movies. Oh, and uh, Bowtruckles too. Yeah, like mm-hmm. in the Truckle, but we get the Thunderbird, Frank. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love that they all have names. Dougal.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And it it, it is fun. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the film. It's just like I if it weren't for like Redmayne being the central uh, actor, it's like it it would I feel like it would come together even better. But let's uh, be yeah.
0: honest about Harry Potter. hmm. The best actor isn't in the title role. He I'll grows agree. into it. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But it takes him a while. Mm hmm. And so, like, I saw somebody criticizing it of the character that was most interesting was the one who wasn't a wizard. And I'm like, and as a complaint, I'm like, no, I think this is what I want. Mm-hmm. I want I want to see more. And I want to see what it's like for a muggle, for a nomad to come into this world, especially at a time where they weren't allowed. Mm-hmm. And I like that we're talking about rules that they aren't allowed to mix. Mm-hmm. Like, that seems very relevant at yes, the moment. Uh, yep, that's... That, yeah, yeah. Timely. Um so Teddy enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um interesting thing I looked up on the trivia. Apparently, the woman who plays the president mm-hmm. in America of the of the American wizarding world. Yeah. The actress insisted that she should play it left-handed because the left-hand is sinister and um and dark wizards should be left-handed. like that makes me excited
1: like what else is happening and also i i do like uh you know what colin farrell fits the 20s really well he does he looks like he just walked
0: out of that era it's amazing and i do like him a lot yeah he's i liked i loved the character the actor who played credence Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i really liked the storyline yeah. Um, it, because it it mirrored the Prohibition storyline, right? Like magic, no magic. Now that said, I want to know more. And the nice thing is knowing that there's going to be four more films, maybe we will. So it's not really a complaint as much as a I'm hopeful. I want to know more about Samantha Morton's character. Yeah. Luanne Barebones. Where did she come from? Why did Why did she get what burr got up her butt about witches? Right? Yeah. right um yeah i'm sort of fascinated by her character and i also just love samantha morton i wish she was in more films Mm -hmm. oh did you catch this is written by jk rowling yeah this is her screenwriting debut yeah it's amazing like don't get me wrong like but like those are two different skill sets of course she had seven films to watch how it was done
1: yeah. And I, I imagine I she also had a, a hand in in cleaning up those scripts as well. So she Oh yeah. She was touching those scripts in in very different ways. But
0: yeah. I'm this kind is of excited movie. for her to branch into screenwriting because yeah. um her stories were getting so complex that it was always a matter of what do we ha- how do we trim this down? And <laughs> now just writing the screenplay directly, like We'll get a lot more depth without the inherent choppiness of an adaptation. Right.
1: Because instead of removing things in order to make it fit a film, you're just writing a
0: film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (gasps) Did you see who the costumer was? No, I didn't. It was Colleen Atwood. Oh my! She did Scissorhands, Miss Peregrine's, <laughs> Chicago, Gattaca, yeah. and both of the Snow White and the Huntsman movies, which they're terrible movies, but the costumes are
1: great. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, so when I saw her name pop up, I'm like, oh! And let's be honest, I liked them. For I love, I love period wear, but like the cuffs on uh, Colin Farrell's jacket. Did mm-hmm. we see that? Oh, and and a black jacket lined with white. Mm.
1: Oh, so Love nice. Mm. Mm.
0: There was so much to like. Yeah. I really like. I noticed the costuming because I was paying attention, and it was really doing its job. I was very excited by that. Yep. I suppose we should tell people what it's about. Uh, Eddie ga- Eddie Remain goes to New York to find beasts. There, done. Yeah, pretty much. That's it. <clears throat> and then shit happens. Yep. That's all. <laughs> That's all. All right. I mean,
1: if you're not already sold by J.K. Rowling, new Harry Potter movie, essentially. New Harry Potter universe movie, I should say.
0: Yeah, go. There. I it. mean, you really yeah. should go. It yeah, is it's a solid it. fantasy film.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, really fun to see in the theater, so it's worth uh, getting out there. So we should move on because we've been recording for half an hour and we've only gotten to our first
0: movie. <laughs> now, that said, 20 minutes of that was other shit. I took That's a look true. at the time.
1: It's true, but we should
0: um, move on. So oh, one last saw... thing. One last beat of <laughs> trivia. I, I have to tell you this because I want to hear your reaction. Okay. The, you know who they were looking at for Jacob Kowalski before they signed the actor they did? Uh, no. Michael Cera. Oh, that wouldn't have been the same. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I, want, like, I wrote uh next no. to it where I wrote that down, just like uh, no, no,
1: no, no. no. We don't no. need two of those people in the movie, right? it remains that enough. It would just be
0: like, oh. oh hey, look at the two nerds having a nerd fest who can mm-hmm. out nerd the other? No, well, I mean, I loved, it,
1: it was his name, Dad and Fogler. Um, I don't he, know. he's oh, he's a nerd, but uh, you know, kind of at least a different breed from a different remain, breed of nerd, what remain was playing, so
0: yeah different species
1: yeah he's at least you know confident and can look people in the eye when he talks it's just he's you know yeah he's All just right. a regular he's regular joe man that happens to like baking
0: <laughs> oh that was so sweet oh yeah oh, and then his little romance was queenie it was just so adorable oh they're so cute together I, they're oh. so cute oh okay so what's next uh rules don't apply Let's do okay, that. Okay, we can talk about that. Yeah, go for it. Um so this was written and directed by Warren Beatty. Awesome. Right? Um what is it about? Has, what is it about? He, okay, so this is set in 1960s Hollywood. Okay. Um it is about Howard Hughes. Oh, um, that one. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, uh, uh, the actress Lily Collins, and I really like her. I Mm -hmm. do. She was previously seen in the Snow White story with um, Julia, Julia Roberts. Oh, okay. As the evil queen, that one. Mm -hmm. Um, And Army Hammer is Prince Charming. Let's all remember that. Um, She hasn't really had much of a career. I really like her face. She's got an Audrey Hepburn quality. Oh, nice. So, this is about it's the the sort of inciting moment is that she had was noticed at a beauty pageant and was signed by Warren Beatty to r k o as a contract actress and her arrival in Hollywood waiting for her screen test. her arrival with her mother played by Annette Benning by oh, the way nice small role, but I always love to see Annette Benning. I like oh. her face too me too um she is driven because uh Howard Hughes employs drivers for all of his contract actresses because he doesn't want them driving themselves, because he doesn't want them having too much freedom, because he basically wants them kept under lock and key. Mm, All of these contract actresses get signed to contracts, but they don't actually make movies. Mm -hmm. But they may never actually meet him. They're Mm -hmm. just sort of his stable of things he found pretty, so he's collected them. Yep. So Alden Ehrenreich who we previously saw in Hail Caesar being wildly funny because mm-hmm. he was the cowboy.
1: I, lo- I love him so
0: much. Right? <laughs> um, he's really terrific in this too. I really want to see more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could be another Brad Pitt. I really do.
1: Oh, so like a, a, a character actor in a leading man body?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I I really do. He's got amazing looks, but there's something very charismatic and watchable about him that goes beyond. Like there's something more there besides just, um, Oh, I don't know. Like I can't even think like just leading man, leading manness, whatever. (laughs) I don't tend to remember those actors because I get bored by them. Right. Um, This is the first film for Beatty in a long time. Apparently Beatty's been, Oh, I should finish up the plot. So the problem is that the plot is a mess. Oh, <laughs> the, plot, that's the too problem bad. is the film is a mess. The film has four credited editors. Oh,
1: oh, that's a bad sign.
0: Yeah, it was written and directed by Beatty. Beatty has been wanting to make a film about Howard Hughes for 40 years. This mm-hmm. is an ego project. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, that said, like Warren Beatty, as Howard Hughes, does a great job. So it really is about how Warren Beatty, how Howard Hughes impacts the life of these two people who have become attracted and fallen in love with each other, but they shouldn't because they're both devoutly Christian, but they're living in Hollywood. So Hollywood sort of rubs away at that and being involved with Howard Hughes sort of rubs away at that. And then we follow their lives for like the course of a decade and Howard Hughes descends into madness. And the problem is it's set up as a story about these two young people, but about a third of the way through, it becomes a story about Howard Hughes. Right. Like it, it overwhelms. And I think it would have been a better story if he had remained more of a Hannibal Lecter presence. Mm -hmm. He gives such a great performance as Howard Hughes that I think what happened is in the editing suite that distracted them from the fact that, it doesn't help the story. I read nope. a review I read a quick review that was like all the bits are really excellent. Like every little scene that you watch is really enjoyable, but they don't come together. I noticed the time while watching this movie. Oh. Like how much longer does this go? What
1: what it sounds like is a, somebody took like three different jigsaw puzzles and mixed all the pieces together
0: and so Yay. nothing quite fits. Yeah. Like there's a lot of reasons to enjoy watching this movie. So I mm-hmm. don't want to scare people off, but it's definitely a renter. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't pay like top dollar to see it in the movie theater. Right. It's really beautifully shot. It and the mm-hmm. costumes are lovely. Um Matthew Broderick. Awesome. Like, because he's been playing kind of sleazy and skeezy lately, and yeah. he's still a little sleazy here. But th- like I'm ready for a Matthew Broderick. Renaissance after this. Oh, me too. I, I, you I want know, more Matthew Broderick now that he's older and I think has finally found his vibe. Good. Good. Because, like, he was still trying to play Look at Me, I'm Young and Spastic, even as he got older. Mm-hmm. And then the producers' era, like, continued that. And, like, in this one, he's sort of jaded and exasperated, and I like it.
1: Oh, he's going to be fun when he's old and crusty. Yeah 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 right yeah so i'm bored
0: yeah it's an interesting film there's a (laughs) there's a lot of reasons to watch it like i i do i really liked watching alden Ehrenreich. i really liked watching matthew broderick and it's good to see warren beatty back on screen again like where you been buddy you're a good actor i like watching you yeah but ultimately the ego kind of seeps through on this one Yeah, it's
1: really too bad.
0: Oh, and by the way, the rest of the cast, Mm -hmm. uh, you have Oliver Platt showing up in a minor role. Yay! Alec Baldwin, Martin Sheen, Josh Molina. Like, it is totally the Warren Beatty film club. It's like, hey, you want to be in a Warren Beatty movie? Yeah. Well, and all these people that have previously done movies with him, clearly they were like, anything you want, Warren, I'll show up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People love working with the guy, so. Yeah. I mean, he's married to Annette Benning. Mm-hmm. And from what I've seen of her, both the the projects that she chooses and in interviews, like he's a little harder to read because mm-hmm. he also he was involved with Madonna. Let's all remember that. Um, <clears throat> but if he has stayed married to Annette Benning this long, I, I feel like there's something of worth in that man <laughs> probably. Like, probably like I am judging you by the wife who is willing to marry you mm-hmm. and that's a top quality wife Mr. Beatty good job <laughs> so yeah that was rules rules don't rules apply, don't apply. Uh, sadly cannot really highly recommend an interesting so film let's what just you got?
1: plunge back into joy because I saw Dr. Strange for the first time second or second time
0: Second Second time. Which I've seen it two times.
1: I saw it for for the first time in 3D yesterday.
0: I still need to see it in 3D IMAX. I've seen it in regular and 3D, and I do want to see it in 3D IMAX, because apparently that will blow your mind. See, I'm – okay, we'll go right into the 3D. For
1: me, 3D – the real D, 3D hurts my eyes, like no matter what. And this – movie was not filmed originally in 3D, it was not filmed to be three D. Like there's a lot of uh shallow focus really? and stuff like that. I don't I really don't think so.
0: I, I find that odd because I mean, considering the content, yeah.
1: Yeah. Why yeah, would you but, not well, I plan mean, to have it There's in 3D. enough stuff where entire the entire screen is all CGI that that's fine to look at, but when you're look watching regular scenes, it's hard to land the eye in the right place because it takes longer for your eyes to register where they should be looking when you're looking at a 3D print as opposed ah. to, uh, you know, a standard 2D prints. Your, your eyes react faster to 2D.
0: I can understand that. Yeah.
1: And when you're working with something, I mean, when you're filming for 2D, um, a lot of times to draw the human eye to a, p- a focus point, you literally focus on that thing. And the things in the foreground and the background are thrown out of focus. Yeah. That doesn't work for trans. And that does not work at all for 3d. You need really deep focus in order to make 3d work because then the eye can look at stuff in the background and not just go scrambly because it doesn't, it, your eyes won't resolve on this blurry thing that's supposed to be in 3d. So that's, what I had problems with. And so the dazzling special effects were really cool to see in 3d, but it was balanced out on the, on the bad side by my eyes really freaking hurt. <laughs>
0: by the Aww,
1: end. Yeah. So I'm very glad I saw it in 2d first because it is a delightful movie.
0: Oh, I love it! I love. Doctor I love Strange. the script. I and, love
1: you know the full disclosure. Of, magic. of course, we know the writer, and he's been on this podcast. But you know, I <laughs> it is a delightful film. He he wrote a
0: wonderful movie. Uh, Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Oh, did you know? Did you know? Cargill. Oh, okay. You may have to cut this out. Mm. Uh, but Cargill told me that the uh, they had them do a spec like uh, proof of concept, Mm -hmm. and so he and Scott wrote a quick scene uh, to submit to Marvel, and that's how they got the job. Mm -hmm. That scene is almost verbatim in the movie, even now. Like, it made it all the way through the process, even through editing, and you know what the scene was that got them the job? Was it Dormammu? No. Oh. It was the scene in the hospital where he is battling the one guy in... Oh. astral form while she's trying to resuscitate his body. Oh my God. That's amazing. That's right. Gr- and that's of course, that's the scene that like they would go, you guys fucking get Dr. Strange. Yeah. Take the job. Yeah.
1: Cause I, and it's uh kind of a nice display of what they're aiming to do with the rest of the script, which is there's all this time folding and, and scenes that happen forwards and backwards at the same time. And, uh, just, all this strange reality warping and they play so much with it and it all works and you can tell that it it's not just written well, it's also the, the special effects team had a grand old time designing <laughs> this stuff. The, I rarely really praise CGI special effects because I feel like they're kind of just standard these days. It's but kind this of a crutch. Is, this is designed. It's not just here, make this happen and make it look real. It's the, all right, how do we portray something that is um, like, looking at uh, marcel duchamp's nude descending a staircase except it
0: moves <laughs> and right? how do you make it look real
1: like and, and you can tell that oh. they were
0: going off of imagery from the comics oh yeah it's so ooh, and it's i don't so even pretty. read the comics and yet i'm like i can tell yeah. i can tell that the psychedelia like all of this happening oh yeah so, oh um, my god if yeah. you were high and watching this oh my god <laughs> That might need to happen. Um, oh,
1: Jesus. Dormammu have come to bargain. Don't have a bad trip during that stuff.
0: <laughs> Dormammu have come to bargain. I kind of need a cookie. Hold on. I've got the munchies. <laughs> uh, just hold that thought, Dormammu. Um, oh, God. Uh, but Benedict Wong... Like, Mm -hmm. I'm so in love with Benedict Wong. And realistically, like, all the complaints about Tilda Swinton, which first off, love her. And I love her costume. I want it so bad. All the complaints about Tilda Swinton, what is so lovely is that in reality, what they've done is, in this script, set up Benedict Wong as the natural successor. So we will now have an Asian male playing the head of Carmitage, yeah, yeah, because you couldn't start with an Asian male for a lot of reasons. Yeah, you couldn't it, it, start with the with an Asian male it, well, of it, random a, Asian ancestry playing the Ancient One. Yeah, because the Ancient
1: One is Tibetan, and as originally written, it's really racist character. And if most of your money is going to be coming from China, you can't have a Tibetan actor. You can't ha- cast a Chinese person as a Tibetan actor. That's also bad. Uh, that's a really yeah.
0: offensive, like to it's, cast a Korean or a Chinese or yeah. a Japanese as Tibetan. Like, that's offensive. That's, oh, that's, a a different, a really bad. that's a different kind of brown face. And I don't think people understand that. And then they're like, oh, but there are Tibetan actors. Um, have you... What... Tibet is a very small country. They don't have a film industry. Mm-hmm. There are people of Tibetan and, like, extraction who are actors. Mm-hmm. But there ain't a whole lot of them. And the one yeah. that everybody brings up already has a specific role in the Marvel Universe. And we know they pay attention to that shit. Oh, yeah. And I, I think it was, I mean... Maybe there You don't would get have been to a... play two different characters in the Marvel universe.
1: There, there was no good solution to it, and so they ticked a different diversity box by changing the character to be female. And so, there's yeah. Tilda Swinton, who is magical anyway.
0: <laughs> like <laughs> As a I almost human feel being. like yes, Tilda Swinton is clearly white, but she's also an alien. Yeah. Clearly from another planet. Yeah, yeah
1: she's the, the successor to David Bowie, honestly.
0: Yes! Oh, oh my god, I would love a David Bowie biopic with her as the star. Oh my god. So <sighs> Fess has,
1: had never actually seen anything with Tilda Swinton in it before Doctor Strange. What? I know. He just hadn't happened to Snow see... Snowpiercer and... and Michael Clayton he never and... He never saw any of those. He never went with <sighs> me to see Snowpiercer. So anyway... He he has never seen Tilda Swinton before. And, uh, you know, given that he married me, you can probably guess he's got kind of a thing for androgyny. So once he saw Dr. Strange, he was like, Who, who's this Tilda Swinton person? Like, <laughs> Tilda Swinton's like a female David Bowie, except she's Tilda Swinton. He's like, I, I like her. I like her a lot. What has she been in yeah. <laughs> he's Show like me really more obsessed with Tilda Swinton. person he's totally <laughs> obsessed with Tilda Swinton. It's like I kind of want to make out with her. It's like I would let you make out with her. That that was that would be if you got that close to Tilda Swinton. It's like you you go, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I think everybody would make out with her. Everybody, no everybody
0: who, should want to make out with her, right? Mm. Oh, I just <laughs> and she's such a chameleon. She's another oh, one like she... Jessica Chastain. She is so even good. more so. Yeah. Like you're almost like wait. Is that Tilda Swinton? Mm-hmm. What? Oh, and of course she's in Constantine. I love her in Constantine. Oh yeah. Oh, I take that back. He had seen Constantine. It's
1: like, oh, she she played she played uh, Michael, the the art, a male character in Constantine. And so yeah. Yeah. So oh, he had, he had Strange, latched onto
0: that. Doctor Strange. Okay. Yeah, so good, so good. What are we what's up next? Let's see, what's your next one? The next one I saw was Allied. Allied. That's the Brad Pitt Marion Cotillard uh, World War II spy drama uh, directed by Zemeckis. If you're – everybody recognizes the name. Let me give you some context. Back to the Future. Yeah. Although I think I'm – my favorite film of his might still be Romancing the Stone. Uh, You know – no. No, 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 Back to the Future. Okay. And I understand. (laughs) Back to the Future is perfect. It's perfect. That's a – It's a personal preference thing. Mm. Um, It was written by Stephen Knight, who also wrote Eastern Promises. Oh, yes. But looking through Stephen Wright's filmography and looking through Robert Zemeckis' filmography. Yeah. I'm really trying to figure out, like, I feel like when you look at their filmographies side by side, it answers the question, what happened? Mm Mm-hmm. What went wrong with this movie? Oh, right. look, when you look at them, like, Eastern Promises is the one standout in Stephen Knight's career of, like, just a fucking brilliant story. Yeah. It's and, just brilliant. And but that's because you, it's,
1: you coupled it with a really brilliant lead actor and a really brilliant director.
0: Exactly. Um, Zemeckis, when you look at his filmography, it becomes clear that he's got a lighter touch on films. Right, mm-hmm. he's he, Not that he's a bad director. I'm certainly not complaining about Zemeckis as a director. Although he has turned out some truly shitty movies. Yeah, he has. Oh That's kind of God. my point. Um, yeah. The problem with this film is that the, the central... Because the whole plot is two spies, one French, mm-hmm. one on the British side, although he's actually Canadian, um, meet... To pull off a job in Ca- Casablanca. Mm-hmm. They fall in love. They get married. They're living back in London, like, and not that long later, like only a year later when uh, word comes down that they think the the wife is a spy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like she's actually a German operative. So the big thing is, is she or isn't he? Isn't she? Well, the script, I'm, the script is heavy handed as fuck. Mm -hmm. there's no actual suspense. And because they were playing up, is she or isn't she? What's really going on? Two spies getting married. Can they ever truly trust each other? What I was waiting for, maybe even a little bit hoping for, was a little bit of no way out. Kevin Costner, 1987. Mm -hmm. Like, at the last minute, like, wait, what? But no, everything that you think is going to happen totally happens
1: oh that's unfortunate
0: yeah and then they play it as this they try to at the last minute wrap it up as a family drama thing because the two of them have a kid together and she writes a letter to the daughter and the last scene is literally a voiceover of her final letter to her daughter because spoiler spoiler alert highway to the spoiler zone i am going to record that for you um the spoiler alert she is really a german operative and they have played this up from the beginning because from the moment he meets her she he's like wow you're really good and she's like the emotions are always real that's what makes it work i always play the emotions 100 percent true Like, because she's a spy. Mm -hmm. So from the minute you meet her, the entire movie is about how she fakes emotion. Like, she's delivering their child, and while she's screaming in pain, she looks up at him. This is who I truly am right now. This is the real me. Hmm. At no point does he ever say any shit like that. Now it's Marion Cotillard, and it's Brad Pitt, and it's got, by the way, fucking Jared Harris. I love him oh. so much. Ooh. I love him. Listeners, that's uh, Moriarty from the RDJ Sherlock Holmes yeah. film. I love him. I love him so much. Small role, but anytime he shows up, I'm like, I like you. I like your face. Keep talking. I want more of you. <laughs> um Like, it's a solidly made film. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just paint by numbers. It sounds
1: like a less fun version of Mr. and Mrs. Smith.
0: That is exactly what everybody's been saying about it. Like, and now that Brad Pitt is divorcing Angelina Jolie, I'm kind of waiting to find out he's in a relationship with Marion Cotillard because that would just be incredibly too perfect. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, like, seriously, it reads so much like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm Mm-hmm. That it's, like, because we all know, that's how Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt got together. He was married to uh,
1: Jennifer Jennifer Aniston.
0: Aniston, And also, let's remember, he was also briefly married before that to uh, Shakespeare and Love Chick. Oh. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Or at least dating her. But anyway, he was married to – he was dating her, I think. He was married to Jennifer Aniston when he met Angelina Jolie on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He divorced Jennifer and got together with Angelina Jolie. Now that he is divorcing, the two of them are divorcing. I don't know who's divorcing who. It may be amicable. I don't know. I'm not involved. I'm not really a movie star watcher. But part of me is like, huh, he just finished filming a spy film with a different female. Wouldn't that be ironic? Yikes. (laughs) That said, Marion Cotillard is beautiful, and it is 1940s wear, and Brad Pitt in a 1940s suit is a thing to behold. Oh, indeed. With I'm hats. on board for that. Brrr. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He's still a sex symbol, always. Mm. Mm. But still
1: a character actor.
0: Yeah, he totally is. So because, because
1: my favorite role of his in the last 20 years is still Aldo Rain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, and here's the thing, I spent the day watching adult dramas uh-huh. and I was ultimately disappointed by the majority of them. And maybe this is why I don't watch a whole lot of them because Well here's the thing. You know, it's, when it's, I not, watch
1: a, it's not sorry. just that it's not just that they're dramas though. I mean when I was considering movies for my slate of movies that I wanted to see, I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes and all of these dramas were like, eh you know, they weren't panning out very well in the numbers. Whereas uh things like Arrival, of course, had had a high rating or hacksaw ridge which i saw later in the day you know but i'd had seen a high them rating. already
0: i fucked myself over
1: yeah <laughs> i yeah. fucked
0: myself over on sanison holiday i'd already <laughs> seen the best movies i'd already seen dr strange and moana and hacksaw ridge and arrival and so i'm left with <laughs> these <laughs> Bleh. like it wasn't awful but uh like at least when you watch an underdog sports flick you know it's paint-by-numbers, and you don't care. Mm-hmm. When you go to watch an adult drama, you know it's probably going to be paint-by-numbers, but you're hoping for something different. You're yeah. hoping for more. Mm-hmm. I wish to Christ I had just watched underdog sports flicks instead.
1: <laughs> or that there were more of those out at the moment.
0: Right? Mm, mm. Yes. Mm. Mm. So what so did you see third?
1: I, I saw a third. I saw a Rival. finally.
0: Finally, finally oh my God, saw Oh, it... God. <gasps> Wow. Do you remember at Fantastic Fest when I said this may be one of my favorite sci-fi films? I can understand that. I can understand that. This
1: is, um, hands down, is the best thing I saw all day. You know, they were all solid movies. Arrival's freaking amazing. It is one of the best uh, hard sci-fi
0: movies the last several years, definitely. It blows contact out of the water. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And I love contact, but contact is hampered by that stupid love story plot. Oh, yeah. And it um, makes no sense. It's
1: just kind of ham handed in a, in the way it uh, handles a lot of things. But, but this Arrival is, is just perfect. And
0: smart. Ooh. And and oh, my God, watching it the second time now yes. that you've seen it, go back I, and watch it because oh. the second time is fascinating. I bet it
1: is. I, the 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 narrative sleight of hand that happens right near the end, which I won't detail anymore, is amazing. It's just jaw dropping, absolutely jaw dropping. I saw it the it's not a twist. Time... It is not a twist. It is narrative sleight of hand.
0: Yes. Yeah. I saw it the second time with Chris, who was seeing it the first time, and for, mm-hmm. by the way, sobbing his eyes out. Oh cause, yeah. Because you you do you just yeah. do it's and it's but Oof. it's not a sad sobbing. It's a this is. This is the best of what we are it's
1: so it's so rich it's
0: it's it, it is for being
1: hard sci-fi it's also very rich emotionally
0: well, it does what sci-fi hard sci-fi is supposed to do, which is reflect humanity back at us through yeah. the lens of technology oh It is literally this is the best of who we are mm-hmm. this is what we as humanity should aspire to be mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. the performances are amazing, yeah. just amazing but watching it the second time with Chris the first time meant that I could query him on his perception of watching it the first time to see so at this moment what did you see ah yes that okay so you had the same experience I did Mm -hmm. isn't it amazing Mm -hmm. watching it the second time this is what I saw it's totally different (laughs) When it got to this moment, he's like, yeah, that was confusing. I kind of thought this is what was happening. I'm like, that's exactly what I thought was happening, but it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so good. I just, I can't, I want to show it to Teddy. Like, even now, at only eight years old, I feel like she will get what it's talking about, even if, like, some of the more technical stuff might fly over her head.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just, I'm going to show her The Martian, by the way i i've decided oh, yeah. gonna watch the martian oh she'd
1: love the martian i think
0: right yeah
1: i'm so glad you loved their arrival Arrival and the martian are nice little that
0: mm-hmm. would be a nice double feature honestly mm-hmm. so okay talk tell me about what you i i kind of just took over arrival because i'm still squeing about it you, you, you yeah talk about and arrival. everybody
1: should everybody should it's um dear listeners if you didn't hear us talking previously about arrival during our Fantastic Best episodes, it is about the arrival of it's about first contact of aliens on planet Earth. Twelve of these ships arrive, they hover at different locations around the globe. And it is it it boils down to a human story about the woman who is a linguist who is brought in by the US military to try and figure out how to speak to the aliens or or rather how to communicate with the aliens is probably the better term. And so it's, it's about coming face to face with aliens and how do you communicate when there isn't just no shared language, it's the entire mode of communication is completely different. And, yes. and it's not just about hatching that egg, but it's also about interpersonal relations and about, just thinking about humanity in kind of breaking down something so simple to us as communicating with each other, even speaking different languages, we can find ways to communicate with each other. But that's because we all share, you know, five fingers and two eyes and, you know... Th- Generally, (laughs) and and there's a certain sameness there. But when you're talking to a a squid creature with seven legs and they have a different concept of time and space and a way of thinking, how do you how do you communicate? There's no shared ground there.
0: Right. It's fascinating. What I love. So fascinating. Because I loved my linguistics class when Mm -hmm. I was going back for my English teaching degree. Mm hmm. And when you find out how different languages are structured, like they're, um, like different languages, instead of changing verb tenses, because we say he run, I run, he runs, he mm-hmm. ran, I will run, I have been running, like all these things, different languages give that information in a different way like yeah. they they change they change something else in the sentence or when you're trying to show where the action is happening and we use prepositional phrases i put the paper on the desk they'll actually put change how the verb is structured to show you where the action is happening Mm -hmm. and one of the things that people always talk about when they're learning a new language is have you started thinking in the language yet have you started dreaming in the language yet because as linguists and now that we have mri mapping Mm -hmm. like different languages literally restructure the brain Mm -hmm. because in order to truly speak fluently a different language you have to think In that language, you have to think, and every language is predicated on a different idea. And at the very beginning of the film, they bring that up when she says, ask him what the word for war is in Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. This other competing linguist, and he comes back and he says, well, he says it means argument. And she says, actually, the literal definition is a desire for more cows. Mm -hmm. And when you, because I always love going back to where did that, where did that saying come from? Where did that word come from? Like I, I take my French classes on Duolingo and the word why literally is for what. Mm-hmm. Pourquoi is French for why, but it right. literally is pour, for, quoi, what, for what. You know, so when you, and that's what you're saying when you ask somebody why, you're saying for what purpose? Mm-hmm. Why, why do you want that? For what purpose do you want that? Right. And when you start looking at language that way, it becomes fascinating and it, and so the second time watching it, it was less about the aliens and more about how humanity was struggling to communicate and the different languages were struggling and, mm-hmm. and how the lens of how you communicate influences what is getting communicated. And the whole idea of, if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. Right. 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 And it's so simple, but so profound. If all you have is Democrat and Republican, then you only have two ways of fixing a problem. Exactly. Can't help but see it that way, Sorry, I know. So, yeah, I I love this movie so hard. I need you to see it a second time before you come down for Budnumathon, Melissa.
1: I don't think I'll have time, but I will...
0: I need I need you to I need you to so we can... I only have like 3 days before I need, I need you to so that I have so when, much to do you, so that when you see cuz the second time through is where the stuff gets like that's when like your brain goes I get it to oh my god what mm-hmm. so, cuz I wanted to oh I just want to mm. I just want to chew on it, but I don't want to give anything away to our listeners. Just go see it, listeners, <laughs> it's please. Really pretty really And then once you see it, just email us. Just text us, tweet at us, something. Just oh yeah. yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, Teddy is singing the credits song in the other room now. I oh, can always nice. tell when a movie ends because she'll sing along with the credits. It's adorable.
1: <laughs> All right. What's next? Um, you had Edge of 17. Melissa, you have to see this
0: film. Oh, really? Okay. I will mark it down. Okay. C- Part of why it ended up on my radar was Cargill and Jessica and I went to see Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. And we had a really good time and we talked, we had a lovely conversation after about it. Um, And then as we were leaving, Cargill said, Edge of Seventeen, is it on your radar? And I'm like, well, I mean, I've seen the trailer and I like the lead actress. And he's like, you would like it. Hmm. Just go see it. Hmm. And the thing is, Everybody Wants Some was... Like, I had seen the trailer, and I was like, that looks like a dude bro movie. And Cargill said, no, go see it. And I loved Everybody Wants Some. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it. So when Cargill, like, I'm starting to trust that Cargill gets me. He gets my taste (laughs) in movies. So when he he tells me, go see this movie, I'm like, okay, I will. So, and sadly... I very specifically put this second to last with loving last because I was like, I feel like loving's gonna be a strong end of the day. I wish I'd flipped them. Oh
1: bummer.
0: So Edge of 17 mm-hmm. is a just a total coming of age. Coming of like a total adolescent drama. Mm-hmm. Um it's very much in the Juno mold. Um the script isn't quite as uh sharp wittiness but it's still very strong. Haley Steinfeld is amazing. The entire cast around her is amazing. Uh, Kira Sedgwick as her mother is wonderfully brittle. Um, Her brother is actually the guy who was the lead in Everybody Wants Some, the same actor. Um, And the basic central plot is uh, socially awkward, teen, only has one real friend, her friend, uh, her female friend, and her female friend and her brother hook up and start dating mm. and she is a very antagonistic relationship with her mom and her brother her father died when she was 13 oh. so it's this moment of negotiating my best friend has betrayed me okay by siding with the enemy my brother who is cool my brother who is one of the cool kids and I am not a cool kid. And I look down on the cool kids. At the same time that her classmate, who's so wonderful, his, <laughs> the character's name is Irwin Kim, and he's a beautiful Asian-American actor. His name is, I wrote it down, I love him so much, uh, Hayden Zetto. Ooh. Oh, my God. He's clearly interested in her and she keeps missing it. And they have the most wonderfully awkward conversations. It's so, <laughs> so wonderful. And Woody Harrelson, it, like just like Matthew Broderick, like Woody Harrelson is figuring himself out. I'm very excited for this Woody Harrelson because... Well, well the
1: thing is, even young Woody Harrelson had some really interesting ideas about how to approach roles, and I'm all yeah. for it. I'm, I'm I interested
0: think... in him as an actor, but I've yeah. always been a little like, Oftentimes, there's an asshole vein running through it that I find off-putting. The asshole vein is there, but in this film, it is very obviously a cover-up for somebody who cares. Okay, it is pure sarcasm, and instead of being "I'm actually an asshole," it's just pure sarcasm, and that makes it delightful because I love how much of a how bitter and biting the sarcasm is. But you can tell he. like you can tell there's more there and the scenes between him and Haley steinfeld are gold they're out, there's so much gold it th- oh and by the way written and directed by a woman first nice. time director <gasps> oh nice wait, and she's only written three other things this is her directing debut and so you're like wait how the hell did this happen yeah Pro- produced by james brooks oh nice And like, cause I was like, cause like when you see that, when you see that her IMDB page for the director writer is non-existent, you're like, how did this woman get this film made with these stars? Yeah. James Brooks, James Brooks clearly saw her work and went, I like you. I'm going to support this and I'm going to put my name on it to help you get the things you need to make this awesome. And it's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's it's a movie that you walk out of happy. And I was probably one of the oldest people in the theater. There was a gaggle of a dozen like <laughs> late teenagers who came in to watch it, and they enjoyed the hell out of it. And I'm sitting there going, I also like this. <laughs> I like this very much. Excellent. So, yeah that, yeah, that was seriously the high point of my day. Go see Edge of Seventeen, everybody. Definitely. Okay. Well, then in my
1: fourth slot, I saw Hacksaw Ridge, and I'm glad you have seen it because I want to talk about this.
0: (laughs) Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow.
1: Okay, so, um, dear listeners, if you haven't seen anything about Hacksaw Ridge, it's been out for a little bit. Um, Hacksaw Ridge is uh, directed by Mel Gibson, and it's a true story about um, Desmond Doss, who was a gentleman in... World War II in the Japanese theater, who um, went into battle as a conscientious objector, like dyed-in-the-wool actual conscientious objector in that he enlisted and had every intent on helping um, the U.S. win the war, except he would not touch a rifle, He would not, and he would not kill.
0: He, would, he wanted so, to be a combat medic. He wanted to be on the field, like in the battle. Yeah. Not yeah. behind that, not mash behind the front lines, in the mm-hmm. battle as a combat medic. Yeah.
1: And he was willing to lay down his life to help uh, his countrymen out, but he refused to kill. And so it's about, like about half the movie is about his trials and tribulations trying to, you know... Uh, get into this situation you know because get through basic training get through basic training without touching a rifle um but then the other half is about him in the theater of war and uh trying to take uh his company is uh charged with the task of taking hacksaw ridge on the island of okinawa and it's a bloodbath and and, and i feel like yes this is the entire plot of the movie but it's a true story so it's uh it's hard to yell spoilers on this one like single-handedly this man rescued one by one like 75 people off of the battlefield um,
0: interesting fact yeah. he originally said 50 his fellow company members said 100 so he was willing to compromise and say 75 <laughs> that's the kind of man he was
1: yeah and and what's one of the beautiful things about the movie is they actually have footage of the people who were still alive or you know, were recently still alive, actually talking about the incident, including the actual guy himself. And, uh, it's, it's very sweet to see these old guys talking about each other that you've actually seen these events happen in the movie, like exactly as they're telling it.
0: Well, and I mean, clearly they got the inspiration from some sort of documentary to do this film.
1: Yeah. But it, the, the story itself is unreal. Like if it wasn't if you didn't hear that it was a true story and just watched this movie out of the blue, you went, oh, that's just that's wow. No, I yeah, don't buy like, it.
0: This is this is way too. It is no. the stuff
1: that legends are made out of, and it's something that actually happened. So it, Mel
0: Gibson a... actually took out something that really did happen because literally, he's like, crowds will not, like, audiences will not believe that yeah. it will go too far because he got wounded. Mm -hmm. on the battlefield, and as the stretcher was carrying him off, Mm -hmm. he had to wait five hours. He dressed his own wounds while Mm -hmm. waiting. He had to wait five hours for stretchers to get to him, to get him off the battlefield. As they were carrying him off, he saw somebody else who was worse and rolled off the stretcher and insisted they carry him. Of course. And then crawled back to the back while injured. Just Mm -hmm. crawled back himself. And Mel Gibson's like, yeah, nobody's going to believe that. we got to take that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's true. Like, no. Yeah, it's, it's
1: unreal. So It's crazy. It's, so the movie itself, um, I feel like Mel Gibson as a director, okay? Let's, let's unpack this a little bit. I think he's yeah. a perfectly fine director. Um, he can even be an excellent director sometimes, but uh, mostly he's kind of like Ron Howard, and a lot of times he's just kind of fairly basic. Um, it's pretty
0: obvious he, the beats he's going to go for. He, he chooses more interesting
1: material than Ron Howard usually does, but um, yeah. he, he's, he can tie A and B together and make C. That's And awesome. he'll do
0: it in a way that is enjoyable to watch. It's yeah. not going to be groundbreaking, but it's going to be very well done. Right. He's the- very good at action.
1: Yeah. And and the more interesting stuff he's done, like Apocalypto or even Passion of the Christ, you know, it's like, that's some interesting material you're working with there. Good job. But um, I feel like Mel Gibson every once in a while, especially when he's talking about religious themes, uh, will veer into like the twee zone. It's like, oh, oh, that's that's really overt handed. But then he'll pull it back and it just becomes standard storytelling again and this movie suffers from a few moments like that not many thankfully given that um the central character is a seventh day adventist and this whole thing is happening because he is extremely devout I am not going to kill I my I believe in God I believe with all my heart that God is telling me I should not kill but I should also serve my country and for a character that is being driven so strongly by his religion the movie doesn't veer into not very often anyway it doesn't veer into um like the movie is praising god in any way it it happens a couple times where it gets just kind of overt but for the most part it's the it almost doesn't matter what is driving this character to be that the fact of the matter is he will not kill and whatever is driving his belief he is sticking to it no matter what and that is the, the crux of the story. And wisely, Gibson mostly sticks to that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a movie that conservatives would love, but mm-hmm. it's also a movie that I can get behind because it represents the best of Christianity. Well, which yeah. Is, which is truly love your neighbor and be kind. Well, yeah. I and mean, I, I, I feel like- I don't see how you watch this and then turn it into like white supremacy. So even though it's more Christian than I would like- hmm I'm I'm okay with it because people who truly believe in Christ and truly live a, as if they tried to live like Christ would want them to, I've got no beef with you.
1: Well, and also the real guy, this is the real guy, and that this is what he believes, and he's a Seventh Day Adventist, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, this is the real deal. Uh, but I yeah. feel like the the movie is structured in that the character could be atheist for all we care, and but still go, I will not kill because of. I'm an atheist. And I believe this is all we got. I'm not going to, you know, just oh, yeah. end the life of somebody just because we're at war. I feel like that could have been the tactic too. And, and it would be the
0: exact same story. I would like that story very much. Sadly, yeah. nobody's ever done that. And this right. is of course a biopic. Well, so yeah, yeah. And, let's, and make, it's... let's make a fictional story where that happens, please. Because <laughs> it, yeah, ethics aren't, <laughs> ethics aren't limited to Christianity.
1: Or or religion even so yeah but it, I mean that's that is our personal beefs that we are bringing into the theater Wendy and, and but I feel like I think yeah. that's the strength of the movie in that it mostly sticks to the fact that it doesn't matter what's driving him to do this it's the fact that this is what he believes is the right thing to do and he sticks to it no matter what the pressure is around him yeah yeah and, no. and he has and through that he has rescued
0: so many lives. So many lives. Hugo Weaving as his father. Amazing. Is, is terrific and shows you, I mean, I will say it's it's a well-crafted script. Uh-huh. Shows you the damage that war does. Oh yeah. Even to the survivors. So, like, that's a really nice counterpoint. How do you how do you get through war while holding yourself intact? You yeah. can survive and still die. And I like how the script also sets up these other things
1: in the plot where if it wasn't a devotion to Christ driving him, there are other things that are also cementing his belief. It's the abuse at in home. It's oh, the, please, I it, believe
0: that it cements it even more. It's not oh, yeah. Christ. It's the fact that he pointed a gun at his father. Well, yeah, and the 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 abuse.
1: It's abuse at home. It's seeing what his his father has become after war and all these other things. It, it's, oh, and the, his mother. Yeah. I love that actress. Yeah.
0: I love that actress. I I did find out, interestingly, Mm -hmm. Vince Vaughn is the only American, even though everybody in the film is supposed to be American, he's the only actual American actor. Garfield is British. Everybody else in the film is Australian. And let's just say Andrew Garfield is amazing in this role.
1: He does a great job. He does a truly terrific job. He has that amazing, just gosh darn it, sort of... Uh, i love him as him.
0: spider-man i yeah, wish the yeah. films that he'd gotten to do as spider-man had been better because i loved him as spider-man i'm interested in silence not just because of his credit worthy hair i like <laughs> this guy a lot yeah he's a he's he's a fine actor and i love that that he the the
1: gosh darn it you know a wholesome american boy sort of thing is actually perfect for portraying this real guy because you see him talking during the the actual guy talking really to the credits him. that's really him oh my god he's tall and gawky and nerdy and uh he has this giant smile and
0: garfield's kind of perfect garfield has twinkly eyes he really does He's got those twinkly eyes. I like them so much. Let's talk briefly about Vince Vaughn as Sarge. Oh, 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 oh. oh isn't he great? It's You're- an inspired oh. choice. Yeah. Cargill and Jess and I were talking about it afterwards. It's an inspired choice because the obvious thing to do is to go for, uh, you know, a J.K. Simmons, for an Ermy, right? Mm-hmm. To go To go for that classic... Boot camp sarge, who's just going to tear you apart. The, the scenery chewer, yeah. But you put Vince Vaughn in that role. Mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn is not going to be believable tearing you a new asshole. No. He's going to tear you a new asshole by mocking you. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved a different take on that character where you are still belittled and put in your place, but you. It is done with this sardonic quality, and it mm-hmm. was so. Hilarious! Mm-hmm. Oh my god, your face might be the most frightening thing I've ever seen. I'm going to call you Ghoul. Are you sure you're alive, son? I don't <laughs> think you are. <laughs> like, that whole scene was just gold. I want to do. I just. <sighs> I I just want to watch the movie again, just for the all the bits with Vince Vaughn, and of course because he's their sarge, he goes into battle with him, and he's equally terrific in those scenes. I yeah. just. It is what, like, and it takes away the, like, even in Dodgeball, Vince Vaughn can sometimes have this smugness that is off-putting. Oh, yeah. This role is everything that's good about Vince Vaughn with none of that.
1: Right. And another beautiful thing about this movie is, it is often with war movies, it's kind of a showcase for a lot of young male talent. Like, uh, yeah. a lot of, the, there's a large cast and it sets up a lot of characters really quickly because, you know, naturally you have to be invested in them when they go to war. And you get to see them in battle and see, you know, their characters tested. And which is, I love horror movies. I love this stuff. I do. And
0: like, they're, they're, <laughs> they're similar to underdog sports philics, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm going to feel good by the end. Well, not necessarily
1: feel good by the end. I mean, there's a lot there's of There's going to be a catharsis. There, there's... there's, a- there's that I mean, there are there are some really dark ending war movies, but it's um, it's about setting up all these characters and putting them through uh, just unreal amounts of stress and seeing how the characters play out over that time and whether it winds up good or bad. The journey in watching these actors portray these characters is the fascinating part, and uh, of course, yeah, Hacksaw Ridge is. You know, yet another one of these.
0: Oh, um, mm-hmm. Sam Worthington's in the cast. Yeah, yeah, and like, and once again, doing the Sam Worthington thing of, oh, I recognize you. You're a serviceable actor. You're not a star. No, you're really not. <laughs> and uh, one thing Cargill and Jess and I were talking about was like, you had the one scene with the awful. A company member like, mm-hmm. who was his buddy in the, in the trench mm-hmm. where the two of them resolve. And then you secondarily had his CO the re- resolution of that. And it's like, ah, well, we didn't need both. And frankly, I care more about the company member than I did about the CO.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because <laughs> Sam Worthington, whatever. I will say um, it was glossed over. I looked up everything he had to do to even get to serve because... Mm-hmm when he was in basic training they were doing everything they could to break him because they they hated they hated he wouldn't pick up a gun you are yeah. useless to us right. you are useless and he's of course like they promised me when i enlisted that, that this is what could happen um and the way that gets re- resolved is is a different thing but when you see the crap they put him through and you know it was worse than that oh god like yeah. what this man went through just so he could walk into battle without a rifle. Mm -hmm. So he could walk into battle as nothing but a target. Mm -hmm. And then to have, like, and then they they get to Japan and the other medics are like, take off everything that identifies you as a medic because they shoot for us first. Mm -hmm. And when you know about Japanese culture and honor and then you see the way the Japanese are doing things that are blatantly kind of dishonorable, but, I mean... The way Japanese culture is represented and the way it was really struggling through World War II to, because Japanese culture and how it's tried to adapt with its traditional values while coming into the modern world, mm-hmm. like, I'm fascinated by it. I, I am. I'm just sort of fascinated by the idea of samurai culture trying, and kamikaze culture and trying to make that work. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I need to read more about Japanese culture. Okay, so that's Hacks that's Rich. So yes. next is... Loving. Loving. Okay. You saw loving. I wanted to see it because Jeff Nichols. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I love Ruth Nega, who's the lead actress. She caught my attention first in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's the girl in the flower dress. Okay. And, of course, she's been in Preacher more recently. Um, I think she's fascinating, although I feel like her performance is a little one note in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the problem, actually. Okay, so the story, Loving is about the very aptly named Mr. and Mrs. Loving, who are the lead defendants in the case that went all the way to the Supreme Court that ended miscegenation in America.
1: Ah, that one, yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. So these are, this is the interracial couple whose case went all the way to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. where the Supreme Court ruled unanimously that laws against interracial marriage were unconstitutional. Right. Um, which, and by the way, if you like, even a Wikipedia read up on it is fascinating as to how it was argued. The problem is that I feel like Jeff Nichols and the actors all watched the documentary about uh where they got to um I think they only got to talk to um Mildred Loving because Richard Loving died seven years after the court case was mm-hmm. decided in a drunk in a drunk driving accident. Aww. He was killed by a drunk driver. He wasn't a drunk. Um and Mildred also lost an eye in that I have found that out oh. through Wikipedia. Um but she never remarried and she lived um there's a lovely thing that happens where um Right when they first get married, he buys a plot of land where he's going to build her a house and then they, they get arrested because they're not allowed to cohabitate in Virginia as, as husband and wife. So they have to move to D.C. because they can either serve a year in prison and continue getting arrested every time they come out of prison or they can plead guilty and the plea bargain is you have to leave Virginia for 25 years and you oh. cannot come back together. Jeez. And she's pregnant when they get married. Yeah. And her um, his mother is a midwife. And so, like, there's this wonderful moment where she's she hates living in DC. They moved to DC. Mm-hmm. She hates it. She's a country girl. She wants to live where there's green and growing things. Mm-hmm. And as he can tell she's unhappy, and he's like, you know, what what? And she's like, I always thought it would be your mom who would deliver our baby. Aww. And he's like, Okay, so they go back, they go back together. Mm-hmm and then they get arrested because the two of them came back to Virginia forever, right? And the ACLU gets in... She writes to Bobby Kennedy, the ACLU gets involved, blah, 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 and the court case goes through. But the problem is, I feel like everybody watched the real Lovings too much or something because the characterizations become very static. He's incredibly stoic. Mm-hmm. He, do, he doesn't want to show things. He's a very simple man. So... Joel Edgerton just is kind of the same person. She's She plays this sort of shy, quiet wife who's kind of just melancholy. Through. I mean, it's just very <sighs> tepid. Mm-hmm. Like, here's this story that is so important, and it ends up being tepid because I feel like the problem is sometimes the people who make history are not interesting people, right they're just people who had the fortitude to say, "I will keep taking one step in front of the other
1: mm-hmm. so they didn't they didn't take the script anywhere past what was uh visible on the outside of these real people,
0: yeah, and well, and I mean, and you don't want to make up an inner life. I think well, this yeah. is really who these people are, mm-hmm. but sometimes the people who make history aren't interesting. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, it, it, you know, given that we just discussed Hacksaw Saw Ridge there's it's very different from seeing like Andrew Garfield in this role playing somebody who's just kind of delightful and gawky and, and uh, you know, there's a certain life to the person he's bringing into um, uh, bringing to life on the screen. And that character isn't, a whole lot on the page either or you know is a very ordinary person except for this thing he did during wartime but the results are so different i find the that very still interesting
0: draws his family out yeah still draws yeah. his relationship with his wife out yeah. draws his relationship with his company members out right mm-hmm. it does the work and sometimes you have to fictionalize it the problem is that everybody is so southern reserved that mm. nobody shows anything. Right, right. And it just becomes really... Tepid is just a real good word for it. Like That's too bad. On, on the one hand, I'm sort of fascinated by this movie coming out right now because clearly it was being made before Trump was elected. Yeah. I So I feel like it's an important story to remind ourselves of that there was a time not very long ago... Where you could not love somebody of the other race because people honestly believed that you, that was not allowed by God, right? Like you were a race traitor. Yeah. Um, and it like and it's very telling that the the case that got to the Supreme Court was a white man married to a black woman because let's remember how sexism plays into this. A black man married to a white woman would have just been killed. Yeah, yeah. He just he would have just been lynched. Mm-hmm you don't you don't get to defile our women like that, women are property you can you can, and like everybody in the movie makes it clear if he had just never married her, they probably would have been fine. But by the fact that he married her, that's where the problems came in
1: which is so twisted
0: right so there's a lot that's good there to remind ourselves especially as we get farther away from that time period and people are not good about remembering our history or Mm -hmm. they you know we're the post-truth generation now what the fuck so it's important to remind ourselves of what the truth was but unfortunately this isn't actually a very good movie and i'm sort of surprised because i love jeff nichols that's really too bad
1: i'm like i am disappointed to hear that
0: although that said no director gets to bat a hundred, so yeah, it's true. So it, if he's gotten this one out of the way, I'm looking forward to the next one. And it's not like this one was terrible, right?
1: Right. It's it's not a, it's not like some of the things Zemeckis has turned out,
0: right? Right. Ugh.
1: Timeline. Oh my God, timeline.
0: So now let it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let us talk about your final film, which was Moana. Moana i had to see pee the light really where bad see how it's blinding i had to and pee, no pee really know. bad during this movie you can, you can keep talking about having to pee but i'm just gonna keep singing all the songs that's gonna be really uh.
1: distracting
0: <laughs> i listeners if you haven't realized it yet this goes way back to my hamilton obsession because lin-manuel miranda is one of the writers of the songs yeah although although man they are working the frozen formula really hard (laughs) i saw you text about that but but Mm -hmm. what do you mean by the frozen formula
1: oh it's the the structure of the movie in that you know the female protagonist you know um is in a is being placed in a position of power but she shrugs it off because she has to go do this other thing to self-actualize I mean it's 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 very much the um the path of the hero but it's kind of as defined by recent Disney movies like specifically how that tale is told and uh at this moment she sings a big song and it's kind of this big diva number and that sort of thing
0: now, mm-hmm. specifically Disney musical princess movies, because I agree there are other Disney animated films like Zootopia
1: or 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 Bolt or you know, it, there are a number of other Disney animated films. Because but I mean Zootopia,
0: the, Zootopia is also brilliant.
1: Yeah, Zootopia is amazing, hands down. It, it is one of so my favorite things. about
0: sexism and racism Su- being Surprisingly, masked.
1: it is one of my favorite movies I saw this year. <laughs> and I, I love Zootopia. But uh, Moana, it's like, yeah, working that formula really hard. That said, it, it is fun. It is colorful. The music's good. You know, it's, it was a, uh, it's nice to see Polynesian culture represented. Even though it's kind of wrapped around Western music and Western
0: themes. However, Western music, ah, <laughs> w- the people who wrote that music, like I I've, um, I forget the one, the, the composer, I forget his name. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's Richard something, but it was him. It was Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is Por- Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican-American, right. and Opetai Fawaii. Mm-hmm. who is Polynesian, and the right. three of them, when you read interviews with them, the three of them were, cl- it, like, you'll notice that it doesn't say music by, lyrics by, it just says music, like, it just mm-hmm. says songs by, all three of them, because all three of them were all writing the, the melodies, and were all writing the lyrics. Yeah. And one would take a phrase, and another would take the phrase, so... Um, Wait, but so they, they, even but though it's, is... it's through a Western lens and yeah. they clearly, they clearly were wanting to make sure it was accessible to Westerners because Disney is a Western company. Mm-hmm. They did as much as they possibly could. And Opetai Fawaii, who is a Polynesian musical artist, mm-hmm. has set, has fully endorsed it as saying yes. Yes, this represents our culture well, and I am on board
1: with this. And that, and, and that's uh, amazing. And and the, the 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 problem I have is like when it really went into actual music that actually sounds Polynesian, like the act when they go into those deep harmonies and uh, when it really does not sound like an American American music. Ultimately, <laughs> it's like that's the stuff I was interested in. And those moments seemed too far between for me. And that's just re- me as an adult, as a music nerd coming to this movie. And I realize I am not the key audience.
0: <laughs> Interestingly, the I read a quote that said they, they wanted to make sure the music wasn't just a Polynesian documentary.
1: Oh, yeah. And I, I can... I can see and that too. I have too. to
0: say, Lin Manuel Miranda is one of the best lyricists mm-hmm. ever, definitely of our generation. Because I have had those songs not only stuck in my head, but specifically, I found myself fascinated by his 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 word choices. He's so good at it, at the way he rhymes shit and and the lyrical flow. Mm-hmm. Do you know who voiced the crab? The crab? No, who did? Who? Cause I was like, that sounds. God damn it! That was sounds it one of the like Hamilton Curry. cast. It sounds like Tim Curry. No, it wasn't. It was Flight of the Concord's Jermaine Clement <gasps> <gasps> deliberately, deliberately channeling David Bowie. Oh my god! Okay, shining. That
1: the crab scene is one of my favorite things ever. I love it. Love the it. The
0: rock. The rock did his own vocals impressive for for your welcome yeah he's that himself now that said the father speaking of hamilton the father um the actor who voiced it does not sing the father the person who sings the role of the father is christopher jackson who mm-hmm. plays george washington in the original cast of hamilton nice so and once i knew that i was listening and i'm like yeah that's chris jackson i love that voice he's a doll oh, he's such a good performer <laughs> Now, speaking as a mother of a small daughter who is in love with Disney princess movies. Right. I am not, I am not discounting your, this is the Frozen model. What I love even more is there is no, even, there is not even a pretense of a love story. Oh, yeah. Love it. Love it. That's great. No, all it is is pure female adventure Mm -hmm. and recognize my power. And in fact, you, male demigod, recognize my power and agency. hmm Like, that's terrific. And, and it is just a hero's myth. And so, you know, anything that you might say, well, oh, look, she needs to ask for help, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, that's the hero's myth. That's nothing to do with her being a girl.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And... She saves the goddamn world, and she saves the world by fixing the planet. So, you know, it also comes back to that, which oh, yeah. I fully support. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is so delightful. And all of the main characters, the grandmother, the father, obviously Moana, obviously Maui, are voiced by people of color. Yeah. And to have two two of the main lyricist musicians also be people of color, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, i I was looking it up. I did not realize Lin Manuel was contracted to do this before Hamilton hit. Oh, that's interesting. He was contracted based on In the Heights and his work on um, on other things that he had done, like writing music for the Tonys. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Lin Manuel gets an Oscar for best song this year, he will become only the third person to get the pea Goat, which is your Pulitzer. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. That would be, I, you know what? I would advocate
1: for that just solely just so he could have the
0: Pico. The other two are Richard Rogers uh-huh. and Marvin Hamlish.
1: It's amazing.
0: These are the things I couldn't help but look up because I love Lin Manuel. Well, we, yeah, we know your obsession
1: with Lin Manuel.
0: The director did The Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> I looked up other things. Um, the music is incredibly singable. The oh, the it it is beautiful. The animation is the
1: animation is gorgeous.
0: Um, and she I, never princesses I really like, out.
1: I really like the uh, character designs in particular.
0: Yeah, they look like Polynesian peoples. Yeah,
1: it um it's one of the things I picked up on when watching Lilo and Stitch too. Like the uh the female character well. Lilo um and her older sister and and, you know all the women in the movie are actually built like Polynesian people (laughs) they're not the Disney waif princess form you know it's she has ankles I love that she has ankles
0: (laughs) Um, Maui is built like a Samoan man yeah, yeah, well, he's like a m- exaggerated form, of well, course. But that's my know. point, is like, he's oh, not he's Hercules. Block. He's
1: a block. He's not
0: Hercules with the big shoulders and the tiny waist. He's just, mm-hmm. like, he looks He looks a lot like Samoan Thor, the rock. Yes. Um, yeah, he's
1: just kind of barrel-chested, but blocky.
0: Like, Maui even calls her a princess, and she's like, Uh, excuse me, no, I'm the daughter of the chief. Um, they make fun of it when she's on top of the big mountain. He's like, if you start to sing, I'm going to throw up.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's delightfully self-aware. And I I love the chicken. The t- Alan love- Tudick. Alan Tudyk plays a chicken.
0: And it oh is the most
1: ridiculously <laughs> dumb chicken.
0: Like, laugh out loud, funny. Chris was doing his giggle... Which is just so delight. If you listeners, go, you should go see a movie with my husband when he giggles because it is so adorable. It's pretty amazing. Hey, hey, the chicken hey, hey, had the him chicken. just crying, laughing. <laughs> 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 and I, I, I agree. I'm like, hey, hey, the chicken is pretty terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, like, and the message of the movie is, like, just terrific. Mm-hmm. Like, be true to yourself and yeah like thank you like all i need now is for disney to make a princess movie where the princess wears glasses and she doesn't have to take them off to be pretty that's just all i need and then i'm set oh yeah yeah But now we've got, because we've got an Asian princess with um, Mulan. We've got Mm -hmm. a black princess with Jasmine. We've got Moana, now a Polynesian princess. We've got... And we have Pocahontas, you know. We have Pocahontas. Yeah, we've got Pocahontas. We've got a red-haired princess. Like, don't discount that. Mm -hmm. Like, there's something important about representing all the different ways we can look. So. Keep keep bringing in more people of color, Disney. Like when I asked for my princess with glasses, you could make her Hispanic. That would be fine. Mm-hmm. I don't care. But these stories are important. And I know that it's easy to discount princess movies. Lord knows I did before I had a daughter. But these are the stories that she likes. And so I need them to be stories that I, I, that can help guide her on her way. Absolutely. And there's a lot about princess mythology that can help guide her. Like, what is Moana trying to do? She's trying to be a good leader for her people. Mm-hmm. She's trying to solve the problem of things not going right.
1: I do like how the princess thing has started to be redefined within Disney in that it's not... I'm, I'm not a princess in the sense of, I get to be here and be rich and be pretty. And not necessarily lead anybody. Whereas... You know, particularly like I think, Frozen was really the hard and fast line of this is what we are now. In that, this young lady at the center of the story is queen, and she is going to be a leader. <laughs> yeah, she's already in charge. She doesn't need a. Man she's to help already her. in charge, and so it's it's about taking. It has become about taking responsibility. And as well as being female.
0: One thing about Moana that I found interesting, um, in Polynesian culture, female wavefinders are very rare. Uh, yes. Apparently, because one of the things you do is you sit in the bottom of the boat and you feel how the waves move in your testicles.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so, but I'm, I'm sure that there are other... <laughs> parts that we can use right but i kind of love that idea oh i can feel the way the waves are swaying in my balls um (laughs) but the reason that she needs help learning how isn't because she's a woman not allowed to do that job that isn't ever brought up it's because her entire island people have forgotten how Mm -hmm. i love that i love how they sidestep that
1: yeah it's it's just about she never learned
0: Nobody knows. All it is. Nobody on your island even knows how anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you. Like you've solved this patriarchal problem brilliantly. Thank you. It's oh, Mm -hmm. you can't do that because you're a girl. And Maui teasing her because she's a little girl never feels sexist as much as just you're small,
1: right? And you're not strong. And I love. There's never a thing about oh, all the chiefs have in the past have been male. You're female. It's never even brought up.
0: No, you're she just happens to be the kid of the chief. You get to be chief next. You're going to be chief next. No big. Mm-hmm. Love it. There's so, much, there's so much there that is so perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, does it break new ground? Not necessarily. She's still, my, she's still in one of my top favorite princesses already.
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Because uh, you've certainly watched a lot of these recently.
0: Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I will say at least these songs are top notch absolutely Mm top-notch thank god like if you're gonna make me (laughs) mulan mulan does not have good songs mulan has one good song
1: you know what i still have never seen mulan
0: okay we need to fix that put that on the list okay i will okay we'll put that on the list there's a lot to like about mulan the songs Uh, you know what it
1: it's just a matter of i just need to sit down and watch mulan and i just never have
0: yeah but i could watch it with you i like that movie okay all right cool donny osman (laughs) sings the role of the prince No, I could be on board for that. um, Oh, shoot. Which is weird because the guy who does the voice of the prince was actually a Broadway star. He was in Madame Butterfly, in Butterfly. Oh, damn it. (laughs) The Asian actor is going to drive me crazy. Oh, well. Let's wrap this up so you can get off to what you're going to do. We have covered all our films. We have. We have. And, uh... Wow, we did watch a lot of movies yesterday. We did. We might have to
1: break this into two episodes, and that's fine. Eh, no, I'm just going to cut it together and sit it out there. Just, you know, put it out. It's it's all news. It's all news. You know, it's fresh news. <laughs> it's fresh news. It's good. It's good. Send it out into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Along with all the millions of other podcasts and see how it <laughs> Sure. Be- besides, my dog has woken up and is now starting to make noise again. <laughs> shake 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 uh yeah max was asleep for oh like a good hour and a half it's like yes i teared up my dog yes
0: and now he's woken up and is again this toy is substandard what is yeah, this it, toy does not meet my needs he's seven months old and
1: he's judgmental you know what can i say toddlers am i right Yeah. So anyway, I need to to get moving so I can go see a lion in winter at the Guthrie.
0: (gasps) Melissa. Right? I am so jealous. As you should be. (laughs) I'd hang it from the nipples, but the children would be. (laughs) You would shock the children. That's it. You'd shock the children. You'd shock the children. That's what it is. Oh, that <laughs> script is so wonderful.
1: It's a great script. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what the Guthrie does with it. Oh. So
0: anyway. I look forward to hearing about it. Listeners, we have been Melissa and Wendy. Say hi, Melissa. Hi. Bye. And this has been Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Go out, see some movies, have your own holiday, and we will talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Wine, beer, 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 wine, winey, wine, 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 beer, 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 wine, wine.